Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Heart Empowered Women podcast. I am your hostess, Clarice Connolly. I'm so excited to have you listening in with us. My intention of this podcast is to have women share like authentically where they're at, where they've been, what life has been like, what, you know, what is the impact of continuing to live the life that no longer served them. And really getting clear on when that pivot point happened, when that experience happened and what they're doing now so that you can hear yourself inside of our guests. So you can hear yourself or the possibilities of where you are or where you've always wanted to go. And maybe you don't know the next step. Maybe you don't see what is possible. So listen in with everything you've got. And maybe you you don't identify or you don't come from the same background, but what is there for you inside of this? Today's guest is star with two R's, Shepard Decker. To me, she is such a leader. She is warmth. She is heart. She is so rad. I, being in her presence, you just feel spiritual, whether you are or are not, she just evokes inside of you this divine wisdom or this curiosity. And I'm so excited for her to share her essence with us and just share what her journey has been like. And I just, let's just jump in. Welcome to Heart and Power Women Star. Oh, thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. And thank you, Clarice. And, and I just have to say, I've also been super inspired by you and you sharing of your journey. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just so honored to get to be in this conversation with you. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for being able to um, make the space to make this possible. Uh, so let's kind of jump in. Like, what has your journey been like? Um, and how did you get started in sort of what it is that you're doing out in the world? Oof, that is a big question. I'll do my best to be concise. Um, <laughs> so my journey has been pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, I come from, I grew up in Southern California and I come from a family of dysfunction. You know, I lived with single mom, only child until I was about 12. And then she sent me to live with her abusive mother, who I stayed with until I was about 19 and became pregnant and moved up to Oregon. Um, Had two kids with the first husband who was, you know, not the best. We won't go into that, but it didn't go very well. Uh, I learned a lot and um, then found my now husband in uh, 2002. And we've been together for just over 17 years. And it has been an amazing journey because right at that time of divorce and custody battle and, you know, realizing that I didn't really have a family that would support me, um, not really having a lot of friends, kind of, you know, being in a a state where I didn't have a lot of community. Um, And then I found a spiritual community at Mm -hmm. the Portland Center for Spiritual Living that same year in 2002. And that was a life-saving experience for me. Um, I started taking classes about metaphysics and the law of attraction and how my thoughts create my reality and how I really, you know, while I don't get to control every aspect of my life, uh, much to my ego's <laughs> dismay, um, mm-hmm. that I really can impact my life and my experience of my life through, you know, adjusting thoughts and beliefs and behaviors. And so um, I'm kind of a been a natural born leader. Uh, I used to be called pushy little broad when I was like two or three. So I've always had that, um, like, let's, let's get in here and do the thing, you know. And so um, I would say I've always also had an activist kind of within me. Uh, I started boycotting McDonald's when I was like seven. And <laughs> by the time I was 15, I had my revolutions list. Um, oh, I forgot to ask, is cursing allowed on your podcast? Yeah, it's fine. 
all right, sweet. Um, <laughs> and so I just wanted to make sure. And so, you know, when I'm 15, I'm like gathering these names for my revolutions list and people will be like, well, what does it mean to be on your list? And I would say, well, I know we need to start a revolution. So I'll put you on my list and uh, I'll call you in 10 years when I know what the fuck my revolution is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew, I knew I needed one. I just wasn't clear what it was yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And also something that shifted for me was in my first marriage, I read a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. And it it just completely transformed my life and how I felt about myself in relationship to the world and answered a lot of questions that I had been really anxious about finding answers to that I wasn't finding answers anywhere mm-hmm. about why, why does our world look the way that it looks and how did humans come to live this way that everyone else around me seemed to be totally fine with. And I was always questioning why, you know, this isn't right. This isn't okay. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, And so that's kind of always been the core of me and belonging in the spiritual community was a really big part of my healing journey Mm -hmm. and also my journey in leadership. You know, I was president of the board for four years. I was the head practitioner. That's where I became Um, That's where I studied for years and years and became a licensed spiritual practitioner, um, which basically meant I was a part of the the ecclesiastical arm of the center and, you know, could teach classes and give sessions and put on events like workshops and um, retreats. And I was just super, super involved. And that was um, a really important part of my journey. And yet in 2015, um, something inside of me actually uh, like a little younger version of star one morning as I was getting ready to go to service, um, was kind of up in arms. And I, I went into a meditative state and I kind of turned within and this little, I was like, what's going on? What do you need? What, what's up? And it was like little young star inside of me said in this really quiet voice, she said, please don't make us go back there anymore. Hmm. And that was really surprising to me because I was so involved. In fact, at the time, I was carrying eight different roles in that community and leadership. And yet, because of the teachings, um, I learned to trust that voice. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the ministers and the music director, because I'm also a vocalist and I was very involved in the music there, and just kind of said, hey, I'm taking a three-month leave of absence. I need to really check in with myself and see what I'm aligned with right now. Mm -hmm. And then in three months, um, I'll decide what, if anything, I want to put back on my plate. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the most self-actualized, like self-approved choice I had ever made in my entire life. Because I was so involved and I loved this community. And, you know, a lot of people depended on me for things. Um, but I, I needed to listen to that call for something bigger and something more. And so uh, at the end of 2015, after those three months passed, you know, the universe has its way with me and has its way with us and filled in all those spaces with a lot of amazing things and new connections and new ideas. And I knew I needed to move on. And so I let my uh, practitioner license lapse at the end of that year, uh, mm-hmm. saying, Whitney Houston, I will always love you at the talent show and, mm-hmm. uh, wa- and walked away. Um, and that was really challenging. Um, and yet then I found, uh, the exact community that I had asked the universe for. I don't know if you've ever done that where you're like, I don't know where I'm going to find this, but I want a place where my business self, my spiritual self and my activist self are all welcomed Mm -hmm. and I can be with other people like me. And so I found that community at the beginning of 2016 Mm -hmm. and it was really beautiful. Um, and I learned so much. And I, you know, learned all of the business skills and the sales and, and, you know, the marketing and the messaging and all those pieces that I wasn't trained in to be a spiritual practitioner. I was taught how to see clients, but I wasn't really trained how to create a business. Um, and so I would say that that was really, really amazing. And looking back, I gave my power away to a lot of my mentors And I let go of everything that I had learned in those 13 years of being a part of that spiritual community and was approaching my business from a very, let's just say like patriarchal approach, very, you know, domination, top down, you know, cracking the whip, get your shit together. Let's do this thing. Um, To where by the end of 2017, I was on the couch for six weeks and I almost gave up. 
I almost decided to throw in the hat and not continue to do my work anymore. And so that is what led me to making a new agreement with myself in 2018 that if I was to do anything, first I had to check in with myself, is this really what I'm here to do? I was like, yes, this is what I'm here to do. This is my life's purpose. Um, And so I decided to do a different way, to only take steps forward if they felt really aligned and were coming from a grounded, you know, clear place as opposed to a fear-based, you're not good enough sort of place. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, I saw my income grow every month. I started creating new offerings for my people and I really regained my confidence in my own leadership and my own ability to impact my clients' lives. And so that's been kind of you know, the sum up of going through a lot of really challenging experiences, dealing with chronic illness, dealing with not having custody of two of my children, um, dealing with, you know, the love and light community telling me that the illness I was dealing with was a cause of my own thinking and having to go through that shame um, spiral and really coming out of it with a different idea of how to do business and how to enjoy being exactly who I am. Thank you so much. I don't know if anybody's ever so eloquently put together in less than 15 minutes their life story. (laughs) Thank you. I I wasn't sure if I was going to make it, so I'm glad that it came out the way that it did. Thank you. Um, There's so much I heard inside of that, and um, the thing that really stands out for me, um, I just know an individual and I'm going to try to not make it too obvious who <laughs> they are, but, um, I just know of an individual that has two children and I just like hear so much of what you're saying and the like struggle of like the unhappy relationship and just having children and how do you get out and how do you, um, you know, keep fighting for what you're feeling and not just like giving into what's easier. And I yeah. just, it's so present for me. So I'm just like, Oh, Thank you for like whatever you had to do. And thanks for sharing that part of that. And I, I hope whomever is listening that whether you're in that situation or whether you know someone that's in that situation, you know, pass along this podcast um, or pass along like that hope that you heard that, you know, star turned it all around. And I just, ugh, like that, that just got me like that was Thank you. And it's still, you know, it's still challenging. So I have three kids, two from my first marriage and one from my current. And um, my middle child, I haven't actually seen since 2015. My oldest child lives with me and she's amazing. She's going to turn 21 in a couple months, which just blows my mind. Um, But my, you know, as much as I've done inner work and love my life, you know, there's still challenges and there's still hardships and there's still heartbreaks. Um, thanks, thanks for being real with that too, right? Because yeah. I think that there's like this picturesque sometimes polar opposite you make up of like, oh, if I just leave, life would be just better and perfect and everything would be. And then the reality is, is there probably is just going to be some st- sticky pieces no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I just, I just wanted to be real that, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. There yeah. is a lot of sunshine and roses. Um, it's just, yeah. you know, there's also some, some heavy stuff that I yeah. still but the, you know, the gift in that is it's those parts of my life that keep me growing and keep me inspired to keep doing my own inner work and to keep discovering new ways to honor myself and go through layers of old wounds uh, not dictating my life. You know? And that's kind of the like, would you say that that's sort of like that pivot point? Because I always wonder, like, um, you know, I have a 25 year old brother who's kind of in this place where he's, um, like all of the kids that knew what they wanted to be in life that were friends with him kind of parted ways and left him behind and all the kids that are kind of suffering in their own, you know, journeys, experiences are just sort of like bringing him down. And there's kind of this, like, I had this moment where I was like, this could be your rock bottom. Like it doesn't need to get any worse than this. Like you can choose this moment as like your awakening to like crack this open or like choose you or so do you feel like that um and I imagine this from a perspective of whoever may be listening Mm -hmm. like they could choose that desire to leave as sort of like their awakening to like change their life or like how how do you explain that can you paint that picture of like 
what that looked like for you in that moment. Yeah. Well, first I just want to be again, really transparent that in my first marriage, I wasn't the one who left. Oh, wow. Um, it, things were bad, but I was still also a very small, you know, I had a very small view of myself And I was raised by a bunch of, you know, codependent narcissists, and he fit that bill really well. And I, as much as I wanted to leave, and as much as I knew things were bad, I couldn't see a path forward for myself. I didn't have any family support. I was at home taking care of two kids while he was out working, and he had the car, he had the bank account, you know, um, card in his pocket. Like I was stuck at home waiting for someone to show up, and I didn't feel empowered enough to have any choices to move forward. Um, so I actually went out for my 23rd birthday with mm-hmm. friends and tried to come home the next day. He was supposed to pick me up and he had taken our two kids and filed for emergency custody and filled a filled an affidavit full of like eight pages of lies to convince a judge to give him that emergency custody. And I spent the next year and a half fighting and I did not win. Thanks so much for sharing that. And um, just but I... Yeah. But I would just say that that definitely was my rock bottom. Um, And, you know, my pivot point uh, was this vision that I had. So I was, I was at the spiritual center and I was taking some classes, but I was also still, you know, really bogged down by this battle of having someone say, this is who you are and have it all be lies. And then expending so much energy trying to be like, no, this is who I am and having no one believe me. Um, It was really, really hard. And but I had this really vivid vision that, um, and it was like, you know, sometimes you just get taken into a, an alternate reality and you're like fully there and you can smell all the things and see yeah. all the things. And the vision was of me and I was like 50 years old and I was sitting at a bar at like 10 o'clock in the morning smoking a cigarette. Cause at that time you were still allowed to smoke cigarettes in bars. So it was part mm-hmm. of my vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I'm talking to the bartender who doesn't give a shit about what I'm saying. He's just being nice because I'm giving him tips or whatever. I'm like, you know, smoking my cigarette, drinking my whatever alcoholic beverage I'm drinking already trashed. And I'm like, I lost my kids at 23. And I was just like, oh shit. If I don't do some work, if I don't really make my own healing a priority, that's going to be my future. Mm. And I was raised by two women, my mother and my grandmother, who had so much baggage and so much wounding and so much pain, and they took zero responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I, I had a choice. I could either continue to self-sabotage and you know, give in to my uh, addictive behaviors mm-hmm. um, and have that be my future, or I could make a commitment to myself and my life and my children and do the work. And so that has always been the thing that even when I'm low and even when I want to give up and even when I want to give in to the temptations of, you know, just kind of sitting on the couch all day and doing nothing um, like my grandmother did. uh, I have that vision of me and it's like, no, that is not me. And that is not my life. And I'm not letting this awful, horrible, traumatic experience define who I am. Right. And I, and like, thank you. Thank you so much for being so raw and vulnerable and just real right? Like I know that it's super easy. And I always make this thing up that like someone who's listening is rolling their eyes like, oh, another spiritual healer, like more (laughs) right? And and the reality is, is that like, it's, it's like, yeah, cool. You can, you know, be irritated by that, that those titles or the language, but like every spiritual healer in whatever capacity has gone through something. They've been no different than you or I, they just chose to like get out of it. And so thanks for like painting that picture. And I'm curious, like, because I've always heard the excuse of like, well, I don't know anybody that's spiritual or I don't have a spiritual church. It's either Catholic or Lutheran or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and I, I've always heard the like, um, yeah, it's lucky because you moved away, but like, I can't create that here. So what was the like, I think you said you were still living in San Diego. Did you pick up a book and you read that book you told me? And that was the thing that was like, okay, yeah. Um, or was it that you just like, were like, okay, I lost. So I'm just going to move to Portland or, uh, Oregon. Sorry. Yeah. So I actually moved up to Oregon pregnant with my first and I, so I had all, all had all my babies here. Um, mm-hmm. I moved up here in nine, August of 98, very pregnant. And my first was born in March of 99. Um, and I was just, I was already here, but I would say what, you know, first of all, reading that book Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, 
I wouldn't have been able to take in any spiritual beliefs without that book Mm -hmm. because I was still really railing against the Christian and Catholic version of God. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, I had very manipulative um, grandparents who tried to shove, you know, religion down my throat my whole childhood. And I refused because it just never resonated with me. And so, you know, at the time that I read that book, words like God or even Bible or Jesus, like they made me kind of like shudder inside and gag a little bit. Like I couldn't even go there. And reading Ishmael by Daniel Quinn and seeing sort of him, he painted a really unique picture of how religion sort of like where it was birthed from and why it spread like wildfire so easily and why it's sort of the foundational beliefs of our culture. And so once I understood it, I wasn't afraid of it anymore. And then my father, he was, um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't talk to my dad between the ages of like 11 and 19. Um, and then I knocked on his door with a shaved head and was like, hi, I'm your daughter (laughs) in California before I moved up to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so um, he actually had recently gotten sober and he was involved in the 12 step program, but he also was not interested in following the path of, you know, Christianity or Catholicism for his higher power. And he had found the centers for spiritual living at the time they were called uh, the church of religious science, but they didn't want to be confused with Scientology because they're not. And so they changed all their names to centers for spiritual living shortly after that. And he introduced me to the book. Um, conversations with God. And that was the first book that it was like, oh, I could have, you know, first there was Daniel Quinn that helped me free my fear of God. So I could kind of look here now. And then this book, Conversations with God, gave me a different idea, like a different definition of what God or spirit could be. It wasn't a guy in the sky dictating judgment or, you know, messing with our lives so that we would learn a lesson that there was this um, language of spirit just being inherently in through and as everything and everyone. And I realized how hungry I was for that message. And so it was actually my dad who introduced me. I went to visit him right before my separation, right before that birthday that I had shared about earlier. Um, I went to visit him with my children down in, um, Fullerton, California, and attended one of the services there and was like, holy crap, did you tell her about my life? Is she talking to me? <laughs> and yeah. and so when I had the uh, separation up here, I actually just went to the freaking phone book and mm-hmm. looked up Church of Religious Science and found the Portland the Portland Church and, and showed up there and started getting involved because I found that the teachings, it wasn't that they were telling me anything new. They were giving me a language to describe what I had always known. Mm. Hmm. I think that that's the thing. Um, oh man, I just that statement really resonates. Mm. It's like because someone told me along the way, or I I read it, and I, I don't know. It stood out for me because being raised Catholic. Um, yeah, there is sort of that perceived sense of shame and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. like, I, I won't go in it. So I'm not going to bash that and deter anyone who's listening. But it was, it was a funny, someone pointed out to me that like, you know how the feeling that we have around the word diet like it evokes like, oh, suffrage and like elimination and like, and everyone's trying to like, no, no, it's a lifestyle change. And you mean the same thing. It was kind of that relationship with God. It's a word, the God like word is like no different than diet. You're like, oh, you know, if you've had that experience, right? Yes, Yes. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe I should eat better or that I don't believe that there is something higher than myself. It's like right. that word's just uh, been misused or burnt right. out, or you know, you've got a belief, a lot of belief systems around that thing. So, like, how do you just choose a new word, like yeah. you know, and build a new um, avatar if you'd like? You know, is it the universe or the cosmos or the you know? Um, oh. And so, I, I would love like anybody who's listening who, you know, if you're anything like me and, and sounds like a lot like star, like you've just had a bad taste in your mouth based on whatever religious upbringing, um, to maybe like reconsider like, okay, like maybe the word God doesn't work for you anymore. Like, how can you like 
expand a little bit and try out and um, see if there's other, uh, you know, practicing centers that have or use a different word or, you know, that like you can find that language to bring in that like already knowing. Absolutely. And I uh, love and I, you know, in my um, sessions with my clients, I still use affirmative prayer, the same five-step affirmative prayer I was trained in through the Centers for Spiritual Living at the beginning and end of every session. And so part of my onboarding process is asking my clients exactly what you just said. Are there words that you don't want me to use? You know, like, do you, do you like the word God or do you not like the word God? You know, like I give them options, universe, source, divine, mm-hmm. spirit. You know, right. as you say, cosmos, like I can just say the word life if you want me to. Right. It doesn't really matter what we call it. It's just mm-hmm. an acknowledgement that our, you know, we don't end at the end of our skin mm-hmm. <laughs> and that there's something bigger going on that is larger than we could ever fathom. Even, and it, right, exactly. Because I hear in it sort of, and a lot of, I mean, I'll completely out myself. A lot of my stuff is like, man, I'm taking me against the world. Like I'm carrying everybody's weight and I am like doing this alone. I was like a one man army for as long as I could remember. And that it, because I had that upbringing and exactly what you were saying, I had that like, um, my, for me, it was kind of like, God, why'd you hand me the short end of the stick for the family? Hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I got herpes and was really like, hey, well, fuck you too. Thanks. This is ridiculous. Right. Like, God totally. damn it, you know, but, it, you know, and it wasn't until like, you know, I've done a lot of my healing that I was like, oh, maybe it was actually so, like meant as a gift. And like, yeah. maybe the universe like put me here because I was supposed to be an advocate and really act, you know, do a lot of activist work around changing the way like, oh, you know, and then I realized like, oh, well, I believe in a higher power. I just like, mm-hmm. don't like the word God, you know, exactly. so if you are someone who's listening, and you're carrying the weight of the world, you know, and you're feeling like you're doing this on your own I love that like your invitation of like like asking for the the community um or a group of people that also believe in what you believe and um oh that's just so good I needed to like highlight that because it's a whole thing and and I'm not I want to emphasize I'm not telling anyone to switch courses I'm not telling anyone how to be religious or spiritual or that you what you're doing is wrong like everything is accepted you're on your own journey it's just making that clear <laughs> yeah. just food for thought if you're in a different space and you're open to hearing um so thank you for that I think that's huge and the other piece that I hear that they do say I've done some 12-step work myself for adult children of dysfunctional families um is to like find you know a center or you know spiritual like I don't know what you community and get involved. Like, yes. I love that. I didn't understand the get involved until you kind of painted that picture. And I had my own version of it of like, when you know, you're, you know, signing up to be a part of the choir, it's like that choir's counting on you. Yes. And then you're like, Oh, i feel lazy and don't want to get dressed, but the choir's counting on me. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, until you get enough for them to like, go and do it for you and not, you know, um, thanks for painting that too. I think that that yeah. really stands out. No, thanks for, for commenting on that because I, you know, it's easy to downplay that and skip over all the parts and focus on the, the bright and shiny parts. But I would say being involved in that spiritual community was a huge part of my life and my family's life. Like my, my almost 16 year old son, he grew up there. Like I was pregnant with him there and he, you know, we only left the community what, about five years ago? So when he was 11, but the first 11 years of his life, he was there almost every Sunday. Um, I volunteered for so many things and helped put on events and, you know, gave my time, led teens and, mm-hmm. you know, led community groups. And it was both a really big part of my sense of belonging and contribution, but also, you know, let's just be honest, we can get so wrapped up in our own shit. It's really important to, to be there for other people to recognize that our problems aren't the only problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so good, too. So good. And I also feel like there's even this like level of like worth conversation. It's like, you know, um, there's so many different angles you could look this in. And I'm really just kind of like having this conversation from a place of like, if you're struggling and you're kind of like, 
oh, like I'm not doing great here or doing great here or like making that mean a lot about yourself of, mm-hmm. as a mother or a provider or a wife or a, yeah. it's like, if you go to something like a church and I don't, what's another word for church? Can you help me with that? I yeah. Like we call it a spiritual center, a spiritual center. There you go. And if you go to a spiritual center, it's like you handed out the morning flyers, like right. there's no significance, but you did it. Like there's yeah. no, like you can't measure your worth because you handed out flyers. It's like you contributed in this way. That's great. Good job. Like, yeah. it, oh, like oh. well, our, our, our brains are hardwired for community. It's just, we've been programmed into isolation. Mm. And so it really calls to that part of us. You know, that's one of the things I talk with my clients a lot about is we have been programmed in this very individualistic society. Um, but in reality, there's a part of us that yearns there for that thing that we get from community where we're contributing to something larger than ourselves and our contribution matters. There's a part of our mental wellness that needs to have that in our life somewhere. That's part of why a lot of people will give their lives to corporations because they're looking for that, that place where they can contribute to something larger than themselves and their contribution matters. And, you know, sadly, 50 plus years ago, that actually worked. You could be a part of a a corporation for your whole life and feel like, you know, my contribution really mattered. Now we've gotten into the era where everyone's treated like a number and you could give 30 years of your life to a corporation and end up on the street, you know, a year later. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is still this hunger within us to contribute to something that is bigger than just our own individual lives. Oh, yes. And I think that there is... um, I think that they're like, if you're looking for permission, like shop around. Yes. Um, like, I know I hear that you like found that one with your dad and then you came back and basically found something similar. Like it's, I spent like a whole year shopping around. Like, what did I want? What about this church? How about this church? How did they feel? You find one, you don't need to come back. Like or maybe you come back three times and you're like, okay, all right, I'm in, you know, or it's, even for, um, in 12 step programs, they tell you like, come back six consecutive times. I think the first time I did adult children of dysfunctional families, it was like, Oh my gosh, what a room of complainers. Like, <laughs> I was so triggered. And I was like, but that did kind of feel good. And then I like, after everything was screaming, I went the second time and I was like, well, okay. Like that lady said my story outside of my body. I mean, I was a little different, but like, whoa, maybe these people Mm -hmm. do, you know, and then the third time I was just in a funky place. And I was like nitpicking all these things of like, (laughs) I should have said this better. I should have said that I really should have talked about this. Why did I cry? Like, what was I crying about? And so I really want to, if you're looking for permission, please shop around, like, have conversation, ask people, um, if it doesn't resonate, like, feel free to move on. You know, there are so many this day and age. Um, yeah. And I would say really um, be compassionate with yourself and don't make yourself wrong for not fitting in somewhere. Yes. It's all right. You know, you can yes. find there's still another place for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's so, um, oh, yes, 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 yes. So, oh, gosh, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. This has been really great to talk about all this stuff. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, this the kind of stuff that I always share, but it's definitely been a big a big, you know, part of my journey. And I, and I think that it's so important too, because it's like that arm ramp. I think when people are really suffering in my perception and based on how a lot of people I've, I've worked with, um, the clients I've coached, they're just like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to be way kicked back. Like that spiritual woo woo. Like I I can still have to function and be productive in the world. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. they've been doing that journey maybe a little bit longer than you, but I guarantee you they were at the same point and thought that you were at some point. Um, so this just, you're just so relatable. So thanks for bringing that and being able to create that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just see that, like, like you were saying, like that vivid, um, vision of like, you could have been that woman at the bar, uh, 11 AM already hammered smoking a cigarette, right? Like, right. um, and instead you chose the other path. So how has this like journey on that other path been? You left that spiritual community and then you created, 
a business it sounded like like what's that what's on the other side of all of this yeah so I had already you know I've been seeing clients since 2009 so I had already spent a couple years even while I was at the community uh, the spiritual community learning about business learning about marketing you know starting to I um created radical revelations my business and created a website and started uh, you know attempting to see clients outside of the spiritual center mm-hmm. um but like i mentioned earlier i didn't really know how to do that like i was a you know almost anarchist like stay at home mom for a really long time like you know i was like tear the world down um and so it, it was definitely a journey for me to do this like mental overhaul and still stay in alignment with my values. Like my values mean a lot to me. Um, you know, I, I choose where I shop based on my values. I choose what organizations I give my money to or time to based on my values. And so it was really important for me to not become someone else in order to have a business. Mm. And yet, despite that, you know, I still kind of, like I shared earlier, did that in 2017 where I sort of let go of everything that I had learned and tried so hard from this very masculine, patriarchal, mm-hmm. almost what I call like the wounded masculine, where we're secretly afraid that we're not good enough. We have to prove it through achievement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I have to achieve these great things. Um, and I just beat myself up. I barely made any money that year. I made like less money than I had made the three years before that. <laughs> and it was just sort of awful. Um, and like I said, I, I ended up on the couch really questioning myself and 2018 was a big turnaround year for me as I really gave myself permission to only be in that flow place. Mm -hmm. And so, and also realizing as I was working with more clients that one of the things that really holds my people back is that what I really call like old paradigm programming. Mm-hmm. that says there's a one right way to do it. You have to do it this way. You know, it has to be forced. You better make yourself, you know, that whole, like, get your big girl panties on, get your shit together. Let's do this mm-hmm. kind of approach that, you know, most of my clients and myself, we want to change the world. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just have a business that puts money in our pocket. We want to transform people's lives and transform society with our work. Mm-hmm. And I had this realization that, as long as the old paradigm still lives within us and as long as we're still approaching our business, even if it's just our organizational aspects and not the service we provide with this sort of like top down control domination approach to how we do business, we're just going to bring the old paradigm with us and we can't actually create anything new. And so Mm. that's one of the things that I realized that I wanted to do with my clients is really be more intentional about the fact like, hey, if you want a business that feels really good, that isn't like, oh, I love my service and I hate everything else <laughs> about, about running a business, um, then we really need to look at these sort of old paradigm ways that you are treating yourself and your business and transform those so that they can be more aligned, more vision-based, more in a state of flow instead of force. And it also makes it to where your business is more fun and you get to be who you are in it instead of trying to be someone else. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I've been focused on is um, helping these other coaches, healers, and change makers to find that state of flow so they can have more freedom to be who they are and they can have more fun in the more organizational back end, you know, portions of their business. I'm not teaching them how to do their service better. Most of these practitioners give an amazing service and provide amazing value to their clients. They're just not having any fun in how to attract those clients and how to keep the money flowing in, keep the website up, keep all their technology in check and integrated. You know, all of those things that can start to feel really heavy and daunting. Um, But if they feel feel heavy and daunting and you're not having fun, it's not sustainable. It's not going to continue to work. Right. So I hear sort of this, like you're painting the picture, but in case anyone's like, oh God, here's our first first spiritual woo-woo word. Um, I want to just break it down. That's just a word. Like, so how do you define flow, right? Like get in your flow. What does that mean to you? What does that mean so that people can identify with like that sort of feeling or understanding? Definitely. And I love that. In fact, in my, um, 
uh, spiritual Sunday services that I do virtually every month. I'll be wrapping that up at the end of February, but this whole month for January, we're actually focused on the theme, finding your flow. And one of the, I did some research and I really wanted to look into this idea of flow because I had my ideas of it, but I really wanted to, to look into, you know, what does like psychology say about flow? What does other spiritual texts say about flow? And so I'd say it's two things. It's one, a mental state. So flow is described as this state where, and I think we've all been there, where it's like time both seems to stand still, but also go by really fast. And we're both like extremely focused and also kind of in this non-personal space. Mm. And, you know, we can create these amazing um, feats of creativity and accomplishment with relative ease and satisfaction and joy. And it's what Michael Jordan described as like being in the zone, you know, where you're just like, dang, this stuff is just going through me. And I'm just able to access these amazing parts of my consciousness in, in this moment right now. There's a very present moment focus. But I also think there's a spiritual aspect of it that we don't talk about very much, which mm -hmm. is being in a place of alignment where, you know, I like to use the word conduit a lot. Mm. Uh, when I'm really in my zone, I am like a conduit for the divine to express through me. Mm -hmm. And it isn't personal because what I'm doing is just being available to kind of be utilized by the universe for something greater than myself. That's that contribution to something greater that I was talking about earlier. I I love that too, because I want to even like break it down. So if you're listening and maybe you haven't started down this spiritual path yet, maybe you haven't like gotten this far. Um, I kind of want to give this example that came up is sort of this, um, I had gotten a tattoo and for me, it was like finding my true North. Like it was the, like, as soon as I had finally stood up for myself to find who I was in the world and like stood for that. And just like, let it be unwavering, no matter what life threw at me. I just like thought of this wonderful tattoo to really anchor that in. And, and I had told it to this woman who um, just like read it or, and like just said, yeah, sure. Come on in. Here's my draft here. You know, and I got there and I was like so excited. And I kind of made this like, I, I felt like I was a ping pong ball. Just like, <laughs> I just kept like riffing jokes off her. Cause I went by myself. I was kind of a little nervous and you know, she just was like this brick wall. And just like, I was like, Oh, I had a good day today. Like, how you feeling today? Like, like I mean, I'm so excited for this. Like, you know, and she just like stone stonewalled me. And I was like, Oh, all right. All right. So my jokes are for me. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and, and then I started to get this tattoo and it was like this whole other woman like showed up mm. and I was like, Whoa, girl, what happened? She just like, I get in the zone. Like, this is my place. Like this yes. is my like happy place. And she was suddenly like talkative mm. and wanted to like know more about the statue. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. This lights you up. You yes. are a different person right now. Like, and you know, I could have been asking for cherries on my ankle, I'm sure. But like, um, <laughs> I want to just break it down. Like it doesn't need to like have to be this like spiritual thing if you don't have the words yet. Right. But she could vividly paint, like, I just get into this space and it's like everything else outside of me stops and I'm just one with this tattoo and just, and like she used plain English. So it was like, Oh no, girl, I know what's happening for you, but maybe you don't, maybe you're listening and you're like, well, I mean, I get that way with pottery or I get that way with crocheting or, or whatever your, yeah. your jam is. I want to really break that down. Like it's could be a very large spiritual thing, but you don't know yet. But it, it's just like whatever it is that like has everything else melt away and make you exactly. present to like whatever your, your that jam is. whatever. So oh, thanks for letting me squeak that in there. I just wanted to make sure like we didn't lose anyone. Um, no, I think that's great. That's, and I think you said it perfectly when it's like, it's what lights you up. Right. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, this big, you know, important thing. You don't have to be Tony Robbins to be in flow. You know, it's like you could be sitting with your kid and building Legos mm -hmm. and be in that flow, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to say one more piece about that that I talk about in my Sunday service where I just want to make sure that, you know, we can invite more opportunities for flow in our life. Mm -hmm. But let's not do that thing that we do with stuff where we put it on a pedestal and we say, this is the place I want to yeah. be in all the time. Because mm -hmm. that's just not realistic and it's not right. helpful. And then it just creates shame and blame and guilt. And mm -hmm. so it's not about being in flow all the time. 
It's about being able to access it when you need it. Yes. I love that too. And I'm kind of curious your take, and this may be like totally off the end of the spectrum. Um, but I, I, I love photography, love photography. I love capturing a moment. I love capturing scenery. And I have so many people that are always like, you should totally be a photographer. And I'm just like, no, I'm totally good. Not doing that. Totally Mm -hmm. good. Not doing that. And I sometimes wonder like, do people find that like flow thing? Like, right. Like I, I am one with my photograph and they, they think like, oh, I want to do this all the time because it just feels so good. And then that's where this like tedious hard part about being a photographer comes in. You're like, the reality is this is a whole lot of self-promotion and a little less photography. And so I'm kind of curious, like, how is the discernment process in that? Have you experienced this? It's a total theory that I've kind of just thought of every time someone tells me I should be, be a photographer. I'm like, no, but I just, I'm passionate about this. And I just want this to be my hobby. Totally. No, I love that. And I think that's a great question because I think that we ask ourselves that a lot. I have one client I've been working with, you know, every month for over five years and they have a tendency to have this thing that they love to do. And then as soon as they turn it into something to make themselves money, they hate it. I think that we each have, you know, I love that you're so clear Mm -hmm. that like when people are like, Hey, you should do this other business. You're like, Nope. And I feel the same way with doing a podcast. So I love that you have a podcast. And I love that there are so many of my, you know, colleagues that do podcasts. And when people hear me speak or, you know, they hear me on an interview, they, I've been told dozens of times, oh my God, you should do a podcast. And I am super clear that I'm not interested in doing a podcast like at all. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine, you know, and they can have those ideas. And so I think it really comes to being really connected with our yes and with our no, like in our bodies and not letting that sort of societal view of, well, if you're good at it, you better make money doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that we've been ingrained with that is just, I think is sometimes a crock, you know, like there are things that you're, you're allowed to have things that just make you feel good that don't make you any money. That's okay. Um, yeah. You know, that's allowed. I, I uh, yeah, I, I want to like emphasize that. <laughs> mm-hmm, Not yeah. everything you're good at needs to make you money. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm really good at building Minecraft worlds, but I'm not, you know, and there's been little voices in my head. It's like, oh, well you should, you know, create a YouTube channel and then you could have people coming to your channel and watching you build. And then you could show people how you build stuff. And then YouTube will give you money and la la la. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I just want to sit in my living room at night when after everyone's gone to bed and build this freaking mountain that I've been building for like three weeks. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I just, I just want to do that. And so it's okay. You don't I, to- I love that so much. And in, in the thing that I hear in that too, is kind of like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what yes feels like. And I don't know what no feels like, or, you know, codependency comes in and you're like, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, a practice in little places. Like, do I want broccoli or cabbage for lunch, you know, a salad or a sandwich and you'll learn you have it. It's sometimes just so subconscious and so quick that you just like, don't realize it's already happened before you could have consciously chosen. Um, so if you're feeling like you hear that and you're like, well, how do I, it's like baby steps, practice with lunch, practice. Then what do you want to do for the day? Practice what you want to do for the week or whatever it is, your gradient. Um, there's no right way to do it. I want to make sure you're very clear. Um, so, oh, beautiful. This is just so good. So I hear sort of your invitation to have people like get curious, like what brings you present? What has you feel like you're in your flow based on how you sort of defined it? Um, and just like practice creating space for that. And, um, the like, reminder that not everything that brings us flow or that we're good at needs to make you money. I'm not saying to deter you, but just sit with like, where are you choosing from? Um, I think that that's really an important invitation that I really want to send out there. So I went on this trip to Hawaii and I woke up every morning, just, I'm just exuberance as my essence, like at my core. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I am so tired but I'm just so excited for this adventure. And I just would just tell myself all day, like, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 
And my friend just looked at me like, Clarice, like you don't always have to be so like perky. Like we literally got four hours of sleep. And I was like, yeah, but I could sit here and just be like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then I'm just feeding I'm tired. Or I could just be like, I'm actually tired, honoring I'm tired because I feel very tired. But I'm going to choose like excitement because I can't wait for this adventure. And it just was like a very fun moment where she was like, you don't always need to be so happy. Yeah. And then you said that like only positive and light. And I was like, well, okay, maybe we need to like clarify. <laughs> and maybe those who are listening are also in that boat of like discernment. Like, what does that mean? How does it look like? What is the life, love and light only approach? And how could that actually be toxic and dangerous? Yes. I'm so glad you're bringing that up just because it's a, it's a subject that I've been looking at a lot, especially I would say it took me a couple years of being away from the spiritual community to really kind of tease out because, you know, I don't want to talk crap about my spiritual community. They Mm -hmm. taught me a lot. You know, I, the humans in there really helped me so much, my family and supported me and the teachings helped Mm -hmm. to transform my life. And after having a little distance I really saw, especially around some chronic illness that I was dealing with and managing that was very confusing and I didn't have a diagnosis for a long time and, you know, um, triggers would come up and I couldn't find the pattern and it was just really hard. And I would say that while they were very well-intentioned, a lot of the feedback I got was, well, if you just think different, then you wouldn't have chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And also what I got was, as a leader, you're supposed to have all of your shit together. And how can you be a leader if you haven't healed yourself through your thinking yet? Mm. And so, and I realized that that was some dangerous stuff that created and induced a lot of shame in me and took years of healing through other modalities to kind of tease out and clarify for me. And so it's, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to say that law of attraction and metaphysics are just inherently wrong and bad because they've transformed my life. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, we have a full spectrum of human emotion for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not just so that we can be happy and excited all the time. Mm-hmm. And that in reality, when we deny our shadow and we deny our feelings, we may think that we're skipping over them, mm-hmm. but we're actually just putting them in the corners of our subconscious where they can do a lot of harm and damage. And so what I teach is that awareness equals choice. Mm. And that when we're really aware of what our shadows are, when we're really aware of of the feelings that we're having, Mm. then we can be at choice. And, you know, the terms that I use in my spiritual teaching um, that I think are the danger zones are toxic positivity Mm-hmm. which is where, you know, it's like you said, it's like, I have to be happy and excited and on all the time mm-hmm. or else I'm not doing life right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, that danger zone, which in reality, as you said, you got four hours of sleep. Maybe you just need to sit and veg out for a couple hours to regain your yeah. energy. Yeah. And then you can, and then you can be authentically excited mm-hmm. instead of that top down, like domination forced excitement. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. because that's where the toxic positivity really mirrors this patriarchal view of the world where it's hierarchical, you know, about domination and control. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, you have to dominate your thinking and control it to be positive all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's just not possible. We are cyclical beings. We're not going to be in summer all the time. Mm -hmm. And then also what we even learned in my training as a spiritual practitioner that's called spiritual bypassing. Mm. spiritual bypassing is where you bypass a valid human experience or emotion to get to a spiritual truth. Mm. And, um, it's when someone is in a lot of pain and they go, well, everything happens for a reason. Mm. Like, yeah, but when I'm in my pain, it's like, fuck you. I don't want, I just want to feel this pain right now. Mm -hmm. And then once I get to the other side, once I have some healing, once I have some distance, then I might be able to look at kind of like what you said about, you know, your experience with herpes earlier. Then I might be able to look at, okay, where does this play into my life's purpose and my life goals? And you can have some, some perspective. 
but you can't skip over our actual processing of emotions. That is a physical and physiological and chemical response that has to happen in the body or else those emotions are going to get stored in our physical and energetic bodies and wreak havoc in our lives. Yeah. I love that. And it's like so funny because when you think, when you mentioned the herpes part, you know, I, I, to put like, if you're a numbers or timeline person, it's like, I got it. And I think that first year, what is that? The five stages of grief. I think the mm-hmm. first part of it is avoidance or denial. Yep. Denial. And I just yeah. was like, no, I'll just suffer in this relationship. I mean, the relationship was fine, but I wasn't ultimately happy. I don't think right. I was that far, but I'm not trying to talk down anyone. But anyway, um, it's just kind of like, I just was like, oh no, 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 I'll make this work. It's fine. I'll just stay in this relationship. I won't have to deal with it. It'll be fine. And then when I became single and we parted ways, it was like, oh, oh my uh, I'm just gonna no 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 no. We're just gonna not. I just think I just like didn't talk about it. I didn't date. I didn't didn't want anyone. I was like I'm never dating again. Mm-hmm. And it's like then I it took me five years to process. You know I had a year where I just was full all in, and then a year another year I was like full all in spiritually. Another year I was full all. And it just is like yes, it takes time. It's not just like dig in. And maybe yours is you know different. No one's the same, but. Oh, emphasize the importance of getting supported through unpacking whatever it is you maybe subconsciously bottled up or continue to ignore or that you're like ready to process and so that you don't do the spiritual bypass like she said. Um, So what are some of the ways that you are supporting individuals in exactly this? That's a great question. So yeah, I have, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been doing a virtual Sunday service every Sunday uh, since March, and I just got the intuitive hit that it was time to wrap up at about a year. So I'm doing that until the end of February, but that's a virtual Sunday service where I talk about a lot of this. I talk about these principles and then members have access to all the previous recordings. So that's like over 50 hours worth of me talking about this kind of stuff. And so that's one way, and that's only $5 a month. That's meant to be like an easy yes and and to support my community. Um, And then in my private practice, I really am helping these coaches and healers who are frustrated with how unfun and heavy all of the organizational aspects of their business have become because they're trying to do it right, or they're trying to do someone else's formula, or they're trying to be someone else. Um, and I really help them to align with their higher selves and to heal those old paradigm patterns I was talking about so they can have more fun and flow in their business back end. And then I'm also offering a, a one-day live training here in Portland in March, on March 20th, that I'm super excited about. It's mm-hmm. called Flow and Freedom Business Retreat. And I will be creating, you know, it's both a training and transformational event to really help these coaches, healers, and change makers to both look at the organizational aspects of their business differently, but also really give them permission to be exactly who they are and celebrate who they are and celebrate all the powerful work that they're doing in the world. Mm, thank you so much. And listen, like, oh, if you're listening and maybe again, you haven't tapped into that spiritual part yet, or maybe you just dipped your toe in. Um, in those words, maybe don't resonate yet, but it's like, there is stuff to filter through and you do have a larger purpose, whether you call it divine or not. And that when you take a chance to look at the things that need or can be done first, like moving yourself out of the environment or to another state or getting yourself into a church, like then they will become clear to you and getting supported. I can't. I can't bold capitalize explanation point that enough. (laughs) Yes. Because our mind made up all these very things we're trying to undo. So to try to undo them with the mind that made them up, if you're sitting here like, well, I've tried to do all this, maybe you did alone. Like maybe that's why. Um, Reaching out to get support, maybe what Star has to say resonates or you're curious or there's some kind of pull, like follow that. Um, how do people get involved, get in touch with you? What is your, you prefer Instagram or email or yeah. Facebook? Great question. Um, well, my website is radicalrevelations, plural.com. Um, radicalrevelations.com where you can find out all about my events, both live and virtual. Um, you can connect with me around private coaching and just kind of learn a little bit more about what I have to say. 
Um, as I mentioned, Star Spiritual Sundays, it's $5 a month and it's the first week is free. So you could totally just go in there and consume some stuff and see if you like it. And then um, I'm, I would love to say I'm more active in other social media platforms, but I'm all about Facebook and I, I mm-hmm. share about, you know, societal change and inner work and oppression and all sorts of um, controversial and thought provoking um, topics on my, on my public Facebook page. And so you can choose to follow me or, or friend me there. I'm almost at my max of friends, but I mostly post publicly. So you can absolutely just follow me and, and find me facebook.com slash me star and the S T A R R. That's awesome. Yay. So if you are the rebel or the activist, or feel like you have that part of you that just wants to, um, not, uh, swim with everyone and wants to go against the grain. Sounds like you've got a little bit of everyone for your (laughs) inner boss. Um, that's awesome. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Thanks for sharing, you know, what's possible for others, really supporting us and understanding, like, how do we find our flow and get into that? Um, and you have something coming up in March. That's the one day event. So check that out. I'm really excited about that. Yes. Yes. And if you like short links, I'm all about short links. Um, if you just want to find out about that event, it's bit.ly slash rad flow 2020, because my business is radical revelations. I can use the word rad all over the place, which works for me. (laughs) Good old California roots. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you again so much. And if you're listening again, like maybe, you know, just honor where you are, like have compassion and see and hear what's possible. Listening to a podcast can always be planting that seed for when the timing is right. Um, You know, and maybe it is you were meant to listen to this to hear the book recommendations and only after finishing the book will you revisit you know star as an option right it's so many that you never know just follow that little tug that little intuition and and practice doing that yes and I just want to thank you Clarice for creating this space for having these conversations and for just being a model of how impactful sharing really authentically and vulnerably can be for your community because I see you doing that yay thanks so much I received that. I received that acknowledgement. Good. Well, tune in for the next episode of Heart Empowered Women, and we will be back with you then.